0: Hello everyone, this is Trevor. Welcome to Tea time Reports. If you're new to this uh, show or podcast, uh, we do a lot of sports, music, film. Try, we, we try and tap into everything that we can and then we're able to. And uh, One of our, my personal favorite episodes is the uh, a Ballad of Anthony Barr. I'd recommend you guys go listen to that episode. Really informative on music production and composition. and from perspective of a uh, amateur or up and coming producer of of music and shout out to Anthony if you're listening in now brother yeah we appreciate you G- got to get you back on again um shout out to uh, all the boys Logan um Kaden Brady Ty Thane all those guys uh it's just me tonight I just wanted to go over some uh, USFL news that wasn't touched in our, our USFL episode released earlier today or uh by the time this is up probably yesterday. Um there' was a bunch of interesting free agent moves, um as well as an interesting development um with the USFL trademarking some team names. So I did want to go into into that and um I guess into some in depth player analysis from week three what I saw that we weren't able to really touch up on. Um, or we kind of glossed over and didn't talk about it respectively. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to just pull up this information. But shout out to everyone listening in. Um, I know we haven't been as consistent uh, this past week. But again, scheduling conflicts and stuff like that, it really um, does take a toll. And we try and be there as, as much as we can to make the best content we can. Um and have the best and most authentic conversation we're able to. Um, Interesting development. I'm going to kind of break the ice here and go in with some news. Case Cookus' QBR um, the past two games, week two and three of this season, has been an average of 67. That's fucking terrible. Um, Case has got to tighten up. They got to protect him. You know that's and and there's miscommunications in week three and he he made some fuck up mistakes but um, Logan touched on that perfectly earlier where he was there was a miscommunication between him and the receiver or him and the receivers on some of these players maybe in the OC but overall it came down to Case not being careful with the football and you can kind of tell that and he has three picks in two weeks you don't want to see that out of the guy you know a uh, chef cook is um, but I think he'll come into midseason form. They play the Gamblers this weekend. If they go 1-3, and three, it, it might be over for them, but we'll, we'll have to see, obviously. Um, and then another point that, you know, I was uh, actually on um, blogtalk.com's um, very unfighting Fighting Words radio network uh, earlier this evening, and uh, I was able to talk about the USFL, and we were talking about how the talent level for each squad or each club, if you will, is... Um, it has gotten significantly more equal. Um, last year, there were top dogs, uh, maybe two, three dominant teams, and then you had a mid-team or two mid-teams that could never beat that dominant team but would beat up on the bottom two or three teams. But now, only one team doesn't have, doesn't have a win, and it's the Showboats. It kind of makes sense. Head coach Todd Haley is kind of a joke. Uh, I'd love to see that team win because they have really good players on that squad. But I guess we'll have to see what it comes down to. But um, going back to what I was talking about here, the initial point I was saying is that um, the talent on each uh, team in the USFL has gotten so much better compared to year one. This week we saw two uh, 2-0 teams go down by multiple scores. This type of um, parody just wasn't seen in 2022. Um, That's a tweet from USFL News on Twitter. Shout out to him. He does a lot of good work or them. I don't know if it's a group run account, but they do keep me updated on the USFL, and if you do want an accurate source of information, I typically go to USFL News on Twitter there. Um, But I thought that was a great point. Uh, We we see the Maulers finally putting up a fight against the the Stars. Granted, the Stars don't look good, but um, they were in the championship last year, so you have to give them some kind of credibility, and the Maulers were able to beat them. And then you have the Gamblers finally winning, but they were always kind of putting up high scores throughout the first three weeks. They just weren't able to execute um and then you see the Breakers 3 and 0. You see the Panthers 2 and 1 and the Stallions are 2 and 1. It just seems more equal than ever in the USFL. Um another good account that I'd like to shout out is Sam Shady Sports Network. Those guys do great things over there. Um I'm supposed to get on their show um soon and talk about some USFL as well, so keep an eye out for that. Um and and definitely shout out to those guys for even giving me the opportunity. Um Another thing tweeted out by Josh Gerben, um, the USFL has filed several new trademark applications. The trademark filings are for, one, new team names, and two, existing names but in different cities, which indicate, which indicates the possibility of teams moving. And it looks like this is by the USPTO, the United States Patent and Trademark Office. The owner of this is the USFL Enterprises LLC. Filing date was 4-25-23. And I'll read off the nine names here. One, the Austin Wranglers. That's cool. Two, the Baltimore Stars. I would hate to see the Philadelphia Stars move. Three, the Boston Breakers. Four, the Dallas Stallions. I would hate to see the Birmingham Stallions move. Five, the Denver Gold. Six, the Los Angeles Express. Seven, the Oklahoma Outlaws. Eight, the Portland Breakers. Nine, the San Antonio Gunslingers. I would also like to point out that the Washington Federals logo and color scheme, I think, was also patented earlier this year, or if not last year. So I imagine they have around 10 to 12 team names or combos that they can work with to expand this league. So that's going to be interesting to say. I just wanted to... I just wanted to talk about that briefly because I think it's interesting. If they do decide to move some of these existing teams, they, they did move and rebrand the Tampa Bay Bandits to Memphis and made them the Showboats, and the Showboats were a team in the past. I wonder if they'll ever bring back the Bandits in the expansion. I want them to, and I hope they do. They they announced when the Tampa Bay Bandits um, season ended last year that they're going to go on a hiatus season. So If all these teams now play in their respective um, states and cities even, I wonder if we'll see uh, an expansion, maybe a four-team, four two-team four two team expansion, one in each or two in each conference. So there's something to think about there. Let me just find this uh, the free agency signings that we have going on here. And again, week three concluded. Week four is coming up, so kind of mid- to early-year signings that are going to maybe boost or break squads. But uh, the big ones were Birmingham signed Ricky Pearson uh, Ricky Person Jr. out of uh, NC State. Then Michigan signed tackle James Walker out of Southeast Oklahoma State, I believe. And then Philadelphia signed offensive lineman Tony Garcia out of Troy. And then defensive tackle LeBrian Ray out of Alabama. So I, I thought that was good for Philadelphia to address that offensive line issue Um tony garcia out of troy hopefully he does well i'm gonna keep an eye out for him i wonder what spot he plays hopefully that right tackle or that left tackle position because their guards are uh, are okay but their 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 tackles are what's atrocious they also did address maybe some pressure problems they got a guy out of alabama so that's got to be something there um i'm gonna keep my keep my eye out for uh lebrian ray shout out to him shout out to all these guys for getting signed and then michigan with that tackle james walker That'll be good if they do decide to start Carson Strong in week four and they address an issue with their offensive line, which was a little lackluster. Their whole offense was lackluster the past two weeks. Yeah, that'll be good for them. That's a good signing. Um, And then Ricky Person Jr. I know Bo Scarborough won't be returning until week four or five, maybe six. So it's good that they're going to address the running game issue because Logan pointed this out earlier um, on the previous episode they didn't have a run game. They had no run game, and you can't win like that because you saw what happened with the New Orleans Breakers. They ran it 34 times for 191 yards and three touchdowns. They destroyed them. I don't, I don't want to say destroyed, but it was 48-31. to 31. I mean, it was, you know... And then... I did kind of want to go over... The USFL Network, it's a an account. Um, they're collaborative. This was a power ranking collaborative voting between the USFL Network, the, the USFL Newsroom, USFL News, SFF, and then Ducky. Um, kind of big USFL guys on Twitter and on social media. They kind of have a little following. They're very in tune with the league more than I am, even though I love the league and you guys know I do. Um, but I trust their word on things. Little biasy here and there by them, but this was a power ranking done by all five of them, and I kind of wanted to talk about it because I kind of agree with it, but at the same time, there's some things where I'm like, ooh. So at eight, I'll, I'll go from bottom to to top. There was one move by this team, and, they, and I'm glad that they, they, you know, they added that in there. Which team went down from last week, and what were the updates? What where were they before? And again, this is the USFL power rankings by the USFL network post week 3 and you guys heard who they collaborated with to make these to make this power ranking. At number 8, it's the Memphis Showboats. They moved down one. We talked about it. They they uh I agree with that. I agree with that. They they genuinely did not start off hot and they were playing from behind the entire time and it just it wasn't going to succeed. But they moved down one spot from 7. They were at 7 last week. And at seven, the stars. They moved down three spots. They were at four last week. Rightfully so. They lost to the Maulers, and you gotta put them where they deserve to be. So at seven is the Philadelphia Stars. At six, the Pittsburgh Maulers. They went up two spots. They were at Oh, they were at eight. Wow. Rightfully so. They they won in a good fashion. The gamblers went up one spot to five, and they were at six last week, so the Houston Gamblers improved with their win. Both of those teams, well actually the last three that I mentioned, the Houston Gamblers, the Pittsburgh Maulers, and the Philadelphia Stars, are one and two. The Memphis Showboats are 0 and 3. And then at number four, they have the Michigan Panthers, who went down two spots from two. Rightfully so, they lost to the Generals in their home opener. Then at three, they have the New Jersey Generals. They went up two spots from five to three. Rightfully so. The Generals did just beat the Panthers. And then the Stallions at two, they went down one spot from one. They lost to the Breakers, and that's who's at number one, the New Orleans Breakers. They just look like the top dogs, they're 3-0. and Just something to think about, and, and, and I, I enjoy looking at other power rankings and and seeing what other people obviously see and what their opinions are on on those kind of matters. But I'm just very interested in week four, there's a lot of stuff to look forward to in that, but um, I would also like to talk about some maybe individual performances that we're gonna be uh, that we're gonna slide, but not on my watch. Um, Troy Williams did get his first start of the season, and he got the first win of the season for the Maulers. And let me just uh, pull up some information here. Going to the league standings via USFL. At the bottom, it's the Memphis Showboats. At four. Win-loss and tie ratio, is they're 0-3. They're 0-1 at home in Memphis. They're 0-2 away, and then 0-2 in the division. They're on a uh, three-loss streak. Then tied for third... There's three teams, the Pittsburgh Maulers, the Houston Gamblers, and the Philadelphia Stars. They're all three one and 1-2. The Pittsburgh Maulers are 0-1 at home. They're 1-1 away and 1-1 in the division. The Houston Gamblers are 1-1 at home and 0-1 away and 1-1 in the division. Both the Maulers and the Gamblers are on a one-win streak. The Philadelphia Stars are 0-2 at home. They're 1-0 and away and they're 0-2 in the division. And they're on a two-game loss streak. Those three teams are tied at third on these league standings. Tied for two is the New Jersey Generals, Michigan Panthers, and Birmingham Stallions. All three teams are 2-1. The New Jersey Generals are 0-0 at home. They have not played at home yet. The Michigan Panthers are 0-1 at home. The Birmingham Stallions are 2-1 at home. The Birmingham Stallions are 0-0 away. They have not played an away game yet. And they're 1-1 in the division, and they're on a one-game losing streak. The Michigan Panthers are 2-0 at uh, away, and then 0-1 at home, and then 1-1 in the division, and they're on a one-game loss streak as well. The New Jersey Generals are, again, 0-0 at home, 2-1 away, and 2-0 in the division. They're on a two-game winning streak. And then those, those three teams are tied in second place there in the league standings. And then the clear-cut number one is the New Orleans Breakers. They're 3-0. They're 2-0 at home. They're 1-0 away. 2-0 in the division. And on a three-game win streak, obviously. Just something else to think about as well. Kind of interesting. Um, going into... Oh, another performance that I also kind of wanted to talk about. I wanted to go back to the... Um, Well, the offensive player of the week, we talked about it, was West Hills, but Troy Williams did get a nod. I think he went eleven for eighteen with ninety-six yards, and then he rushed the ball for like sixty-five yards on like seven rushes. An efficient runner. But someone else I wanted to talk about was Carson Strong. Logan touched on him a little bit, how he was inaccurate, came in a little cold, obviously didn't get the start, so wasn't getting those first team reps, wasn't being wasn't the guy in practice. I think he should be going into the next week for this reason. He has the arm. He has that, you know, poise in the pocket where, you know, his balls won't get batted down at the line of scrimmage like Josh Love's did. I think there was three batted down passes by Josh Love, not by him, but he threw three passes that were batted down. You can't have that. Um, but if Carson Strong gets first-team reps in practice, becomes the the starter next week, we could have another situation like we saw with Troy Williams, where Troy Williams came in, he only played in drives in the first two weeks, like they would throw him in for three drives a game, but he came in as the starter, because they were at, they were just done, they were 0-2, they had to make a change, and he goes out there and doesn't make a mistake, doesn't turn the ball over, and he wins the game with a... a, a pretty much a walk-off touchdown pass to Bailey Gaither against the Philadelphia Stars. I think you can have that kind of production out of Carson Strong, if not better, because Carson Carson Strong's a better thrower of the ball and a better pocket passer than Troy Williams. So I think that they need to start focusing on Carson Strong being the quarterback, because he was a touted draft uh, prodigy, you know, He, he was a... A, a, a le- not a legit prospect, but he was, you know, a, a decently touted prospect for a little bit before that injury. So, just something to think about. I, I would like to see the Panthers maybe incorpor- incorporate Carson Strong into their offense just for the pure fact alone that there is more upside there. Um, but Logan touched on that beautifully. It's just their offense is lackluster. They have a good defense, but it, their offense didn't help them at all. They kept, like, they made sure their defense was just always in the field. Three and out, three and out, three and out. Not not executing in the red zone. It's just you can't have that um, and win. That's just not how it works. Um, we t- Me and Logan talked about the ratings, um, but I, I, I think it's very significant that they've already amassed this amount of ratings already through three weeks of, of the season. It just seems like the USFL is building week by week even more now. But it's just one of those things where I think if they keep sustaining this kind of viewership, they'll keep being successful. Um, And you can only, you know, hope that the sky is the limit. Logan was talking about it perfectly on Blog Talk earlier this evening. Um, They just have to keep up with the production, and the sky is the limit for this league. If they expand more teams, they'll expand the regular season. We'll get an extra uh, week of playoffs. I'm excited for what this could be, and it could be a pipeline to the NFL where guys don't go to college and just go to the USFL. If you guys want to listen to Logan's take on all this, he kind of said it beautifully on, on uh, Fighting Wars Radio Network's show tonight. Um, go check it out. It's on blogtalk.com. And make sure you guys check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Tea Time Reports. We're very active on Twitter especially. Uh, if you want to stay in tuned on USL Championship, UFC, and USFL and XFL and NFL News, definitely, you know, give us a follow and click that notification button, and give us a follow on our podcast on whatever platform you're listening to, stay in tune with the show, we're very consistent, we, we try to be at least, and we try and have open, authentic conversation, not only just about sports, but check out our movie review episodes or our music discussions, there's tons of stuff for everyone, um, and that's what we try and do. And That's what we're trying to bring, and to everyone out there listening for you know in the states and across the world, we greatly appreciate you guys um, more than you guys know. That's for sure. So just keep that in the back of your mind when you're listening to it, uh, to our stuff and to our episodes and to our shows, and make sure you guys definitely give out give uh, uh, you know a listen to Fighting Words Radio Network. They got us started in a sense, and uh, I'd like to also give a shout out to my buddy Dale. Uh, he does a nice uh, little side hustle, trying to make his own, you know, well, he does have his own business, but he's trying to make it big in that sense. Uh, Dale's Automotive Cleaning Services, it's a showroom shine every time. If you guys live in Sarasota, Manatee County, maybe in the Hillsborough uh, County area, uh, definitely check our snap, uh not our Snapchat, excuse me, our Instagram. Uh, his information is on there in a reel, and you guys can get his information and get a nice detailing for your car, make it nice and clean. I know Florida is dusty, so definitely uh give him a you know hit him up he's uh does a great job and his prices are very relatively cheap so just to keep that in mind you know got to show love to the to the homie so moving forward with our USFL discussion there's only a couple more things i wanted to talk about um i wanted to talk about the the passing leader the stat leaders through week 3 um and just go over some numbers Um, the the, the five leading, the the five leaders in passing yards, I'll go from first to fifth. McCloy Bethel-Thompson with 837 passing yards. He's the quarterback for the New Orleans Breakers. Case Cookus with 733 passing yards. He's the quarterback for the Philadelphia Stars. Alex Magoo, the quarterback for the Birmingham Stallions, with 607 passing yards. Kenji Bahar, the quarterback for the Houston Gamblers, with 605 passing yards. Quarterback Josh Love at number five. Quarterback for the uh, Michigan Panthers, 490 passing yards. So definitely something interesting to keep your eye out on. Um, Those are the passing leaders through week three. The rushing leaders through week three is, number one, Wes Hills running back for the New Orleans Breakers with 301 rushing yards. Number two is Darius Victor running back for the New Jersey Generals with 228 rushing yards. Running back Reggie Corbin uh, running back for the Panthers. 198 rushing yards. Uh, T.J. Pledger, running back for the Houston Gamblers at number four with 179 rushing yards. And quarterback DeAndre Johnson for the New Jersey Generals with 155 rushing yards. DeAndre Johnson is a dual-threat quarterback. He was not in the passing leaders of the top five, but he is in the rushing leaders. He's a dual-threat, versatile guy. Um, All-purpose yards leader, uh, leaders through week three. Number one is Reggie Corbin with 440 yards. He's the running back for the Michigan Panthers. Number two is wide receiver Anthony Ratcliffe, uh, Ratliff-Williams, excuse me, uh, wide receiver for the Houston Gamblers with 376 yards. Um, At number three, wide receiver for the Memphis Showboats, Rashard Davis with 364 yards. Number four, Deion Kane, shout out to him. He's 32 years old and still proving everyone wrong. Uh, wide receiver for the Birmingham Stallions, 359 all-purpose yards. And at number five, Wes Hill is running back for the New Orleans Breakers with 334 yards. Those are the all-purpose yards leaders. So like kick returns, punt returns, receptions, running, all that. Um, And then the sack leaders through week three. Um, Number one, there's a tie for number one. And then three three players tied for number three. Um... Number one is Breeland Speaks, D- defensive end for the Michigan Panthers. He has 4.0 sacks. And the other tie for number one is um, Olive Sagapolu, a defensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Maulers with four sacks. And then all these guys are at number three. Greg Reeves, linebacker for the Memphis Showboats with 2.5 sacks. Uh, Ronheen Bigham, linebacker for the Houston Gamblers with 2.5 sacks. Jordan Williams, defensive end for the Memphis Showboats, 2.5 sacks. Definitely definitely some cool numbers to look at through three weeks of football. The ones that stand out, honestly, the most, obviously 837 passing yards by McCloy Bethel-Thompson through three weeks of football is fairly impressive. Um, Case Cookus is also setting records that we discussed um, in the episode prior with completions and passing yards and stuff. Uh, in the USFL modern era, um, as well as West Hills, he's you know averaging nearly 100, over 100 yards rushing a game, um, and then Darius Victor with 228 is always nice. And then another thing, a running back leading all-purpose yards, Reggie Corbin with 440. He is a slept-on player, deserves to be on a practice squad, and had a great. He's having a great season, and I love to watch him play. He's a really fun player to watch, and you can tell he works his ass off. I mean, he really does. All these guys, too. Like, I'm not taking anything away from any of these guys, but guys that stand out to me are are definitely on these lists. Uh, Anthony Ratliff-Williams is a playmaker for the Houston Gamblers. Keep your eyes out for him. Number one on the field. Reggie Corbin, number three on the field. Um, Breland Speaks is also a dominant force in this league. He's a former NFL player, so obviously that's going to happen, but he's a very dominant force in this league with four sacks. As well as Olive Sagapolu, he, you know... Definitely deserves maybe a look at uh, from an NFL team. I know there's scouts watching these games, so these guys showing out, they're not going to regret it. And then I guess a good way I can close up this episode is shouting out week four, and we'll have some post-week four uh, USFL content coming out obviously next week, but we'll have our uh, power rankings and recap as well as our USFL and chill episode go out after week four concludes. And I will be back on uh, Fighting Wars Radio Network on Saturday night to discuss the Saturday USFL games, Um, you know, just to get the word out there. Not only for the USFL, but I love going on uh, Fighting Wars Radio Network. They're great guys over there. They love sports. They love, you know, bringing information and truth to you. So week four, the weekend schedule for week four in the USFL. The Houston Gamblers will play the Philadelphia Stars on Saturday, May 6th, 1 p.m. on Fox Saturday, May 6th at 7.30 p.m., Uh, the Memphis Showboats will play the Michigan Panthers on NBC and Peacock. At Sunday, May 7th at 3 p.m., the New Orleans Breakers will play the New Jersey Generals on NBC and Peacock. That is game of the week, potentially this season so far, so keep your eyes on that game. Sunday, May 7th at 6.30 p.m., the Birmingham Stallions will play the Pittsburgh Maulers on FS1. I did choose the Maulers to win that game, so let's go Maulers baby. Um <laughs> I would also like to shout out uh, Josh Peterson had a couple clutch catches for the Gamblers this past weekend. They need to start using him more. He's, you know, he he had a couple drops in week 2, but he really showed that he does have the ability to be a sure-handed tight end and they need to rely on him more in this upcoming week. Um I would also love to shout out Darius Victor. He had an amazing performance against the Pittsburgh Maul, uh, the Michigan Panthers, excuse me, at Ford Field. They upset that home team in their home opener. They showed them that they are the team to beat in the North, and they did it convincingly. Um, another guy I would love to talk about is Cole Kelly. I know he started um, for his first start of the season in week three for the Memphis Showboats. He's the quarterback. He's six Um This game was amazing. This was the best game I've seen so far in this season. Um the showboats just wouldn't back down. I mean, they weren't executing in the in the red zone. They weren't really a good offense. But Cole Kelly threw for over 300 yards. He had two touchdowns. He had one bad pick. But he kept them in the game. He was their leading rusher with, I think, 40-something rushing yards. Again, this guy is 6'7". I, I think he deserves a nod. I want them to win this weekend, but I just don't know if they can. Coaching will hold this team back. They have upside, but... I hope they can get a couple wins under their belt. Um, And then obviously the defensive stat leaders with um, just through the week with interceptions, Amani Dennis and DJ Daniel. We talked about those guys as well as uh, Kihaba, uh, Tizino. I think that's how you say it. I apologize if I budget it with the 29 total tackles throughout week three. And then most of the offensive stat leaders are being led by the New Orleans Breakers players. Their kicker, Matt Coughlin, has 33 points. He's the kicking point leader. And then West Hills is also the rushing touchdown leader with six on the season as well. Um, and I would also like to point out that Calvin Johnson was at the uh, Ford field opener for the Michigan Panthers. There was a good crowd there. I'm excited for this, uh, this, this upcoming week. I think I'm only going to get more excited as the season progresses and I, I just don't know how, what level my excitement's going to be at for the championship game, that's for sure. It's definitely going to be good. There's equal talent across these fields. There's still midseason acquisitions with free agency signings and activations on rosters, deactivations, injuries coming back, people going off the roster. There's a lot of stuff that's going to continue to happen, and we're going to try and bring you that as much as we can to keep you informed so that you can be a USFL fan as well, if you aren't already, I mean, if you're listening to the show, I feel like you kind of should be already at this point. And I hope you guys have found the club in that league that you can root for yourself. Maybe go for the coolest uniform, the the best team, the worst team, the underdog, you know, there's always good stories there. So I really hope you guys appreciate the USFL content that we bring to you. And, uh, I hope you enjoy, uh, the show. And it's really appreciated that, um, you guys are listening and showing that support. And we try and be the best and bring the best all the time. So, Shout out to all the boys, much love, and uh, to everyone out there listening. And you know, if you're a, a legitimate member of this this podcast and this show, and and and, and you know that the, the fan base, I I, I appreciate you, and uh, we all appreciate you very much. So you guys have a great rest of your night. This is Trevor, and I'll be signing off here. Take care.